You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Girl, I know Hello, hello, it's Brooke DeVard, and you're listening to the Naked Beauty Podcast. Thank you guys for being here. I am back. I had a great, great vacation. I love going to Turkey. I picked up some beauty things, of course. I got some great handmade soaps. They do their soaps for different skin conditions. So I got a rose soap, a beautiful lavender soap, a soap made with thyme. And the base for a lot of these soaps is olive oil and goat's milk. They just do these beautiful handmade soaps in Turkey. So I'm always excited when I can pick those up. And I got rose water spray. There's a, it's a popular beauty line in Turkey. I have never seen it in the US. It's called Golsha. I'll link to it in the show notes, but they make all of these great rose water products. So I got a rose water face mist and a Mistler water that's rose water based, which I'm really excited to try. I documented every angle of the whole trip on my Instagram account, at Brooke DeVard, if you want to check that out. The community for the podcast, Naked Beauty Planet. I was tempted to take the handle Naked Beauty Podcast, but I feel like it's beyond just a podcast, right? We have conversations. There's so much that happens there. So if you're a fan of the show, please consider joining at Naked Beauty Planet. Subscribe to the show if you're not already subscribed. Rate, review. I appreciate all of the support so much. My guest today, Madison, she is incredible. I've admired her from a distance for a while. And Madison and I have a lot in common, I think. We're very driven. And I'd seen the work that she had done at Refinery29, creative. You can tell that she has great vision. And then the work that she did with the famous Museum of Ice Cream as social director, which was not only award-winning, but really set precedence within the entire industry. I've just always looked up to her, but then to sit down with her and hear her passion come through and the way that she thinks about beauty, the way she thinks about her career, it was so affirming and such a great conversation. And thank you, Madison, for joining and for bringing your full self to the Naked Beauty podcast. I'm grateful and I think the listeners will enjoy as well. All right, guys, I hope you're going to have an amazing week ahead. Enjoy today's conversation. Girl, I know this might seem strange, but let me know if I'm out of order or step into you this way. You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, 
eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts, not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, Solon logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hi, everyone. Thank you for listening. I'm sitting here with Madison Udenthal. 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 Yes. Okay. What kind of last name is that? <laughs> Dutch. Dutch. Who's Dutch? My dad. My Your dad's dad is Dutch. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you are an incredibly accomplished woman. Thank you. How do you describe yourself? Entrepreneur? Yeah, I describe director. myself as an entrepreneur and social media director. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, and video producer as well. Video producer, yes. Because yeah. when you were at Refinery29, you mostly did video first. Yes. Before 29 Rooms. Before 29 Rooms, yeah. So, you know, when I got to Refinery29, I actually signed on as Pierre's assistant. That was my first job. At oh, Refinery. my God. Yeah, which is why it was such a life-changing experience for me. What year and was this? This was, I want to say 2014. Okay. Yeah, I want to say 2014. And then within that year, we launched 29 Rooms. I made the pivot and shift to do video at Refinery, yeah. started hosting. Yes, my whole career talent. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. And then you left to do Museum of Ice Cream. I did. Full time. Full which time. I've done a case study on you. Yeah. When I was at Viacom. We oh, wow. A whole case study on. No. Yes. Way. Yes. And <laughs> it was so funny because the whole point was that people are basically curating experiences to share on social. Yeah. And the fact that the women behind the Museum of Ice Cream, you guys were, what, 25 at the time? Yeah, 24. 24. Yeah. It just showed how much more of a grasp you guys had on mm -hmm. the experiences that millennials wanted to have. Sure, sure. Right? It's yeah. not just about doing it. It's about sharing that experience yeah, yeah, as yeah. well. Yeah. And of course, you being a woman of color, I was like, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. And also, it's changed so much, right? Yeah. So even since we first launched in... What was that? The summer of 2016. What experiential means and is now to the millennial generation and Gen Z is actually drastically different than what it was a couple years ago. Absolutely. Which is wild to think that in such a short amount of time, that industry has drastically pivoted. And we're also still very much at the beginning stages of it. Of course. I mean, I think about my job now at Instagram. It didn't exist. Right. right. So right. It's, it's all new territory. Yeah. How many people have been through the museum? Of, like, do you have a number on... Um, I mean, oh gosh, I would say a million, maybe more wow. at this point. Um, when I left in December, it was, I think, 1.5 million. Through, and that's through all the museums, right? Yeah. So that was New York, the Pint Shop, San Francisco, Miami, Los Angeles, not just one. Yeah. But I want to say 1.5, probably more by now. Insane. Definitely more by now. <laughs> and so you left and then you were saying you took yourself to Paris solo. Yeah, I yeah. love that. Yeah. So I left Museum of Ice Cream in December of 2018. Okay. Basically to pursue my own creative passions. Yes. I realized that I had been and was very happy and proud to have been a part of an experience mm -hmm. that was a dream realized by a colleague of mine. And while I was so proud to have been a part of that opportunity, mm -hmm. I also realized that it was entirely up to me as to whether or not I was going to make my dreams come a reality. Yes. Not to say I hadn't been living my dreams, right. but there I mean, was something about 
being an entrepreneur on my own, right? Yes. That felt, the time felt so important. I was like, I need to just go out yes. and do it. So I did. Yeah. And and the seduction around being Forbes 30 under 30 and like I've seen you on billboards. I mean, you you got a lot of press sure, attention sure, yeah, and applause yeah. for doing this. Was that scary to walk away from and think... Yeah, I mean, maybe I won't continue to get this much attention. And yeah, and... I mean, for sure. I think that anyone who leaves a big company to pursue their own dreams would be lying if they said that they didn't have right. any anxieties or insecurities. But I realized when I was there and since leaving that I'm not defined by the company I work for, right? My work stands and is connected to me as an individual. Yeah. So if I'm there or if I'm not there, if I'm at Refinery or wherever I am. Yes. I am in charge of yes. my work. My work represents me. And it's been very yeah. clear since I left that the work is different, right? So I feel I feel really proud about that. Yeah. I'm really, I stand behind it wholeheartedly. That's a beautiful clarity that you have. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's natural to have this anxiety of whether or not when you leave a company, will I still get this recognition? Mm -hmm. And then you have to challenge yourself and ask yourself, is that why you're doing what you're doing, right? If <laughs> right, you're, what's your true motivation? Yeah, if you're at a brand or a company and you're miserable, but you're getting all the accolades yeah, and press. It's not worth it. Is it worth it? And yeah. it's just, in my opinion, it's not. Yes. It's just not. Yeah, yeah. I think your opinion's correct. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so you went to Paris alone. Yes, I did. Booking a solo trip. Yeah. Was this a kind of like self-healing, wellness, yeah. I want to just be alone with myself move that you thought you needed to make? Yeah, well, I'm very much an introverted extrovert. Okay. So I love people, but I really recharge by being alone. Okay. And I am a born and raised New Yorker. Yeah. And I started to feel that being in New York, I kept falling into a pattern, despite that I had changed my career, despite that I had been doing, putting practices into my life that were productive and challenging. I wanted to be challenged even further. Mm -hmm. So I figured why not transplant myself, go to another country yep. where I'm, you know, I'm conversational in French, but by no means fluent like I used to be. Mm -hmm. My French was excellent when I was in college. Right. And then I stopped practicing it. Yes. So all of a sudden, I realized that something I was very proud of was very much not a part of my identity yes, yes. anymore. So I decided, why don't I just, just go? Just go to I Paris by that. myself, put myself in an uncomfortable position, challenge myself creatively, write every single day, journal, walk everywhere. Is, was walking your main exercise? Yeah. Well, no, I'm like, I'm a big time runner. Okay. Who's like, I'm like a fitness junkie for sure. Oh my God. Okay. We have to get into that. Yeah. I remember we, <laughs> we ran into each other two places. One physique 57. Yes, my, exactly. My torture chamber of choice. <laughs> No. And then at the Delta Lounge. Yeah, at in L.A. L.A. I was yeah. going to say JFK, L.A. Yeah. 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 I think you were arriving and I was leaving or, yeah. or something. Yeah. But you travel. All the time. All the time. Too much. Yeah. I travel all the time as well. How yeah. do you keep your skincare well? How do you keep the routine going sure, while sure. you're traveling? Well, I would say from a physical standpoint, I'm someone who travels with ankle weights in my bag oh, and sliders. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So, You're about it. Um, there's an incredible trainer named Megan Roop, and I follow her religiously. She has a class that she teaches called Sculpt Society. She teaches it at Project by Equinox. So for me, to keep physical maintenance is so okay. important, not from an aesthetic perspective, but from a mental perspective. Totally. I'm someone who like, if I get a good sweat in when I wake up, I feel that I'm so much more productive in my 100%. day. Yeah. From a beauty perspective, you know, I have to give all of my credit to 
my beauty regime to my sister. Oh, yeah. Who's like a total beauty junkie. Like, I don't know where in this world I would be without her. I'd probably like be at Dwayne Reed just buying the, okay, know, so the store brand stuff. Yeah, she's totally changed my life when it comes to beauty with stuff. Uh, she has such a holistic approach to beauty. Love that. Um, so she important. very much is someone who also really, really believes in supporting women of color mm. in their businesses that they own and is so intentional about the products that she mm. wears and advocates for. That's great. Um, and so I feel very much inspired by her. So I practice a lot of things my sister has taught me. Okay. And a lot of it also is just I've made a huge shift to be conscious about wearing natural products. Okay. Ooh. Yeah, that's been a- what, are your, what are your natural products that you like? Um, there's a brand called Linne, L-I-N-E. Yes. Yeah. yeah they do great stuff. Oh, my gosh. Incredible. Yeah. It's founded by a kick-ass entrepreneur named Jenna Levine. I know. I've been talking to her about having her on the show. She's oh, my awesome. God. She is amazing. Yeah. yeah. And she has really helped my... I used to actually have really bad cystic acne. Really? Oh, yeah. In high school. I'm amazed by all of these girls that have amazing, beautiful skin that used to have acne. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, my change was diet. That was a big thing for me. I was somebody who was on all sorts of acne medicine and like Accutane, the hardcore. Oh, my gosh. Everything you can think of and nothing was working. Okay. Um, And I switched to natural products as well as changed my diet drastically, cut out dairy completely, and my skin cleared. But Jenna's approach to skincare is very much rooted in nutrients and food. Yes. And I just, I don't believe that that there's not a coincidence. I mean, it's there's a reason why my skin has healed by using her products as well yes. as changing my diet. So yeah. I swear by her. And so when you travel, I think one of the things that's always hard is you want to pack light. Yeah. Like I'm a big believer in packing light. Yeah. But oh, it's so hard with natural hair and having yeah. a skincare routine like there's some things that you have to bring you can't rely on the hotel yeah like my husband i see him pack he like brings oh guys it's toothpaste i'm like yeah he's like i'm just gonna use everything at the hotel i'm like don't you need body lotion (laughs) they've got i'm like "Eh, that body hotel body (laughs) you can't rely on that so do you have like a little travel yeah it's not little my pocket is massive okay i oh my gosh i've tried on so many different occasions to lighten the load but i, know, I just it's so can't. hard like i need my barbara sturm cream i need okay. my Lene products like yeah. i need this face wash i do think it's also because i have sensitive skin i can't rely on what's there yeah. yeah and i also spend a lot of money on my skincare products right so i want to bring them with me i want to use them i don't want yeah. and i'm on the road so much that if i didn't bring them they would really be used 50 percent yeah. of the time so I'm finding that using like little sample size, like trial skincare yeah. products is like my new thing. So yeah, I'll get so samples. I don't use them when I'm home in New York. Yeah. I just use them when I travel. That's and really like, smart. I, I need to do that. Things. Yeah. Things. And so back to Paris. Yes. What did you find being alone for that long, but also without, were you working while you were there? Or so just... I worked for the first three days. I sort of closed out a couple of my contracts and told all my clients that I would be available for the first three days to make sure everything was ironed out. And then I was going to be fully off the grid. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the beginning. And so for all of that time that you had not working, just being alone, what did you find or learn about yourself? It was incredibly powerful. I learned that I have to really continue to make time and space to spend alone time when I'm Mm. home. There was so much creative freedom that I had in being alone mm-hmm. that I realized I spend so much time around other people here in New York yeah. that when I just gave myself space, creative problems I was having or 
you know, issues I couldn't think through within certain projects, I had so much clarity on so quickly. Interesting. Just by giving myself this space to think and to sit with my notebook in a park and actually write how I felt. I found that when I started journaling in the morning, which is a practice that I put into place over the past couple of months, I would end up beginning my day writing a, you know, doing a traditional diary entry. And all of a sudden it would be pivoting to like writing out pages in a script I've been working on for years or scenes within a video project I've had an idea for, or even, you know, a creative direction for a shoot that I have with a client. I was able to actually hit these moments of massive clarity just by having alone time and not being on my phone. Interesting. I wasn't expecting to have clarity like that in that way. That's incredible. Yeah, it was amazing. It really was. I highly recommend just to everyone taking time alone. I was only there for 10 days. I didn't go for months at a time. But 10 days is a long time yeah. to be alone with yeah, yourself. Yeah, it is. It's so emotional. It really is this. It's almost like I felt like I had a 10 day long therapy session with myself. <laughs> but actually, right, like the beginning was I found myself feeling incredibly overwhelmed because I was sitting fully isolated in my own thoughts. Yes. And I had to confront them. So I, I was so emotional in the beginning. And by the middle, I found myself reflecting a lot on memories and moments in my life very fondly mm-hmm. and like reflecting on moments when I had incredible laughs with my family and my friends. Mm-hmm. And by the end, I actually did hit a sense of inner peace. It was, it was transformative. I really am going to dedicate myself, if I can, to have that same 10-day period every year somewhere, somewhere where I'm not fully comfortable. Yes, yeah. that's great. You brought up therapy. Yeah, uh, So I, I just started. Mm. I'm a newbie. I've had two sessions. Yeah, um, how do you feel? Uh, <laughs> I'm, you know what? I saw two different therapists yeah. because I wanted to get a sense of who was a good fit. And I guess I'm, I'm waiting for like the guidance and the aha moments. Sure, sure. I think maybe the first two sessions are just laying down the groundwork. But then yeah. I also don't know... I don't know if I have enough clarity about what I want to work on. Mm. Basically, I'm, I'm coming and being like, I do all of this stuff. I'm every single time I have free time, I fill it with something else to do. Sure, sure. So if I didn't do this podcast, I don't know, I'd start painting, yeah. have another, yeah. you know, gallery show. If I, <laughs> you know, like I, I'm just, I'm constantly and I've always been this way. I want mm. to always do more. Yeah. And my desire to do so many things is self-motivated. Mm. Like I just, I see opportunities and I want to seize them. For sure. For sure. The question that I keep getting asked in therapy is, well, that's great. Is it a problem for you? And I'm like, well, I guess it's not a problem, but other people seem to be able to just like go to work and go home and wake up in the morning and they're happy with that. Sure, and like, sure. why isn't that enough for me? And it's like, well, it's, it is, it's not enough for you. So is, isn't that okay? And it's like, I guess it's like trying to arrive at, is there a problem with constantly being busy? Right. I mean, I struggle with that as well, right? Like I, I'm the exact same way. Every hour that I'm not doing something, there is like, there is, I feel it. Right. Exactly. feel it unnecessarily. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is, well, something I question about myself is, am I feeling it for the right reasons, right? Mm-hmm. Is it a discomfort with sitting with certain ideas or thoughts that I have, so therefore I'm distracting myself? Or am I someone who just genuinely likes to be active all the time? Right, right. I'm leaning towards, I genuinely like to have my days full because I yes. find them to be so much more rewarding. Exactly. And when I sit and have dinner at the end of the day, I feel yes. so much more relaxed because I, you know, achieved many things right. throughout the day. Right. And life is short. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. My mom always says life is long. And for a while, I disagreed with her. And I would say, no, life is really short. And she's like, well, it depends on how you choose to look at it. In her opinion, mm. she feels life is really long. So therefore, 
do everything you can in that long life. Just go for it. Just try everything because you have so long to live. Yes. That don't sell yourself short. So it's, I go back and forth. But what you were going back to what you were saying about therapy, I am a strong believer in therapy. I've been going to therapy, gosh, my since I was maybe 16 years old. Really? Different therapists, but... I think that the biggest misconception about therapy or for anyone I know that goes to therapy for the first time is that there is going to be some form of clarity or aha moment. Mm. The reality is, is that you are also building a relationship and trust with that person, right? So yeah. I haven't actually hit these moments of aha with my therapist at least until I was like one year in. Oh, wow. Because you don't really know that person, right? Like, yeah. No, it is. It's a very expensive investment and from a time perspective and a financial perspective. But, you know, a lot of it is you are actually building trust with another human being, right? Like you're not going to walk into meeting a total stranger and just being like, here's all right. my stuff, right? right? <laughs> like, and it's subconscious because you know this person has a confidentiality agreement. You know this person is a trained professional, right. but still subconsciously, you're still having to unveil a lot of personal information to another right. human. Totally. So I always say just just give it time. Okay. I'm and also trust your gut. If you don't feel that connection with that person in the beginning, it's okay to switch. Right. My therapist I've seen now for a couple years and she's amazing. But I've seen other therapists mm. before that, that I've just gone to three sessions with and been like, you're not my girl. <laughs> you know, like you just know, trust that, trust that instinct. Did it matter to you uh, whether your therapist was a woman of color or not? Um, You know, when I first started going to therapy, I wasn't that conscious of that. Okay. Um, and now the therapist I see, she's not a woman of color. Um, but she is very woke and with it. Got it. She gets and we it. talk about race a lot. Right. And I feel very understood by her. And I do feel like I'm speaking to an ally. And mm-hmm. I can't say if she wasn't like that, I would not have a therapist who wasn't a woman of color. Right. You know, she's the exception to the rule when it comes to a therapist that I would see. So, yes. Yeah. And your mom, actually, I think she gave you this advice about writing down your goals for the year and putting it someplace you can see yeah. every yeah. year. Yeah. Could you talk more? I read that in an interview you did a while ago, and I yeah. thought that was so powerful. It's all she's, you know, both of my parents are actually really big on intentionality Mm. um, in different ways. My dad is uh, very religious. He's a man of faith and my mom is not. But they both share the same sentiment and goals of putting intentions for your year out into the world Mm. and reminding yourself of them. And also reminding yourself that if you don't hit those goals to have respect and trust the timing of your life as to why. Right. Sometimes we set these intentions and these goals for the year that are so grandiose. And when we don't hit them, we're like, damn it, I failed. Mm. Versus what are all the other things you hit and how can that goal be one for next year or for five years or for 10 years that your goals don't have to be achieved in one year. It's just something to look at. Yes. I also think that a lot of it stems from the fact that my father was an athlete and every year athletes have a tangible goal, right? They have a championship that they can fight for and try to win. Yeah. So his whole life has been structured around hitting these goals every year, right? Like he had something to work towards and so now that, I mean, he's he's not a professional athlete anymore and no one in my family is anymore, but we all live with this mentality that if you set a goal, no matter how big nor small, there's a ma- there's massive opportunity there for you to every single day have greater intention as to how you start your day and finish yes. it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I found that even, and it sounds petty to bring it back to skincare or hair care, but I remember when I first went natural having yeah, very oh, yeah. specific goals around 
I'm going to not do a protective style for six months because I'm really going to try to learn and grapple with this. Or I'm going to learn. It's going to take me some time, but I'm going to learn how to do the perfect twist out. Or I'm going to try 15 different things, but I'm going to find the the routine that works for me. Totally. Do you find that you set goals around your self-care? I do. I mean, hair care for me has just been such an emotional journey. <laughs> well, you always have the sleekest, most oh. like, slicked back, gorgeous, like low body. I feel like that's like your signature yeah, look. Yeah, the signature. And you know, it's something that I've been, I've been recently uh, have tension with because essentially I relaxed my hair my whole life. My maternal grandmother is white. Uh, she married a black man, had my mom and her sister. And when my mom was a child, she didn't, I mean, she didn't, you know, she harmlessly, didn't know. she didn't yeah. know what to do with my mother's hair. So she started giving my mother relaxers at a very young age. Mm-hmm. And my mom had two daughters with similar hair texture. And so she gave us relaxers. Yeah. And then about five years ago, my mom, my sister and I all went natural. That's We amazing. all decided, what the hell are we doing? <laughs> Why are we doing this? And a lot of it's just learned behavior. Yeah. But I struggled with for so long because I never grew up knowing how to do my own hair. And here yeah. I was in my early mid 20s. Yeah. And I didn't know how to do my own hair. And I was so ashamed by that. Mm. I felt, you know, how I felt like I had betrayed myself, that there was a sense of I wasn't respecting what it meant to be a black woman and mm-hmm. loving my hair for what it was. And mm. it was no one's fault. And I know my mother had that same journey and my sister has had that same journey. But that patience and self-care with my hair is something I'm still working through. I went from relaxing it to then I, you know, I decided that I wanted to try what it meant to be blonde because I was never able to dye my hair because I had a relaxer. Yes, too much chemical. Too much chemical. So then I went natural. Then I dyed it blonde, which was amazing. And I loved being blonde. And I loved that freedom of being able to dye my hair. But it was another chemical I was loading onto my hair. Yes. Did you find the health of your hair suffered because of it? Oh my God, drastically. I mean, I do have an incredible hairstylist and hair artist. I really call her a hair artist because my hair was so healthy and so strong. She really... We did not go bleached overnight. We did a, it was a slow progression. Okay, this sounds like my hair colorist who goes by the hair artiste. Yes. What's her name? Uh, Courtney Nishan. Oh, okay. Different person. But so Courtney Courtney, got you together. I mean, she just, she was incredible. She basically was like, listen, I don't want your hair to fall off. You've had such an amazing journey with having a relaxer. Let's do a slow burn to get blonde. Let's Mm -hmm. do it over time. And it was an amazing experience. I was blonde for almost two years, which is unheard of. And (laughs) I loved it. And then it got to a point where I said to myself, is, am I dyeing my hair blonde for the right reasons? Is this just another way for me to not have to deal with my hair as is? Is this another excuse to say I have damaged hair or hair that needs repair or hair that I can't do this with Mm. or I can't do that with? And I just got to this point where I was like, you know what? Go back to black. In all ways. Yes. yes. <laughs> Dye ways. your hair back to black. Learn how to take care of your hair. Love yeah. your hair. Appreciate yeah. the history behind what it means to have black hair. Yes. And that's where I am now. So this slick black back look is something that I feel is very iconic to me, but I've actually been doing it less and less. I've been wearing my hair out naturally. Yeah. I've been getting it cut so that I can wear it curly and straight. Yeah. Been, you know. Just enjoying it. Enjoying and it. And it's a process. Yes, it is a process. It really is. Especially because when you don't have that foundation that I'm learning to have self-respect and understand that it's okay that I don't have that foundation, right? Just because I didn't grow up learning how to twist my own hair. Right. Doesn't mean now I can't. Right. So it's been a journey. And a lot of the content creation work that you do, I'm sure, you know, representation comes up a lot. And I think that beauty brands are 
actually all brands in all industries are really awakening to the fact that there has to be representation. And if you are going to show black women, it has to be a diversity in terms mm-hmm. of the type of black women that you're yeah. showing. Oh, yeah. How do you bring those conversations in your new capacity with clients? Like, yeah. how, do you, how do you make sure that clients that maybe aren't thinking about it start thinking about representation and beauty? You know, I, I, I try to approach it in many different ways. But one thing that I really try to remind brands that I work with is that it's, it's, to say you you believe in diversity, to say that you practice diversity in your representation, both in front of the camera and behind, doesn't work through tokenism. Yes. You cannot have one Black employee and say we are a diverse company. That doesn't work like that. Right. You can't have one woman of color in your campaign and say we now have all shades. And I think so many brands, the biggest issue there, and something I address with a lot of my clients, is Diversity is not just what you have from a representation standpoint on the outside, but how are you hiring inside to make sure this is something we can continue, right? Ultimately, I own my own creative agency now, but my clients are, it's project by project. So Mm -hmm. what are the practices that these companies are putting into place after my term is up? Right. Representation needs to be internal and external. You have to hire and empower people of color. And in my case, I, you know, strongly say women of color so that that Mm -hmm. external representation of women of color is continuous and not just this one off moment thing that drives me nuts. You know, you see these campaigns and these brands like we are diverse. Look at the one black woman we have that we won't have again. I know. I hate it. I know. But a lot of it is that patronizing. It's incredibly patronizing. It's incredibly tokenistic. But so many of these brands, they're not hiring consciously. Yeah. Right. So how can you have the expectation from a brand to continue to be diverse if they're not even bringing in those diversity practices internally? So for brands that aren't doing that, I'm, you know, my biggest thing for them is like, you have to hire internally. You have to empower people of color to join your team. Yeah, no, it's so important. So important. So important. You mentioned that your sister is supporting a lot of black owned Mm -hmm. skincare beauty companies. Are there any in particular? Juvia's Place? Yes, I've been hearing about Juvia's Place, which I haven't tried, which I'm embarrassed to say, but I hear their products are incredible. I love Juvia's Place. They're, um, the pigmentation for their eyeshadows is incredible. Okay. Um, and it's interesting because they've actually become very well known because Nikki Tutorials uses her, yes. uses them a lot. Yeah. But they're it's a black owned, black founded brand. And I, I love Juvia's Place. Okay. The way that their eyeshadows pop on my skin is something that I'm I haven't really found with many other brands. Yeah. Eyeshadow is a tricky one. Pat McGrath eyeshadows, yeah. I think, are beautiful. Yeah, it's they just are. So expensive. So expensive. My sister loves Pat McGrath, though, too. Yeah. Um, her stuff is incredible. And obviously, you know that she knows what she's doing. Oh, of course. It's a huge, you know, huge company now, but still there's a lot of intention there. Yes. Yeah. And so I've, I've looked at Pat McGrath's whole career and progression and it's like funny to use my podcast as an, as an analogy for this, but she didn't have it perfect from the beginning. The mm-hmm. first thing that she released, it was like she had this highlighter stick, the packaging, it was like this, in oh, this yeah, black yeah, yeah. tube, the sticker kind of peeled yeah. off and it was just like a one-time product and then over time it grew and sure. developed and now she's slowly rolling out new things. She's got mascara, she's got all of these new products and I feel like a lot of people think that you have to be great from the beginning absolutely, and it stops you from kind mm-hmm. of realizing your dreams but everything is a process and I actually think there's beauty in allowing people to watch you grow and yeah. watch the process and yeah. watch the progression. Yeah. Because if we don't see that, then 
that feels less attainable. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's the biggest misconception as well of entrepreneurship, right? And we hear, I mean, we have a, where we live in a day and age where we have a tendency to glorify these brands once they've hit this like a hundred million dollar mark, right? So this, there's a huge misconception that someone started a, you know, started a beauty company and all of a sudden it's worth a hundred million dollars in three months and no one has ever done it before. When a lot of these brands have been growing for decades, right? And I view failure as a positive, right? Because ultimately, if you, I look at it more so as a catalyst for greatness or a catalyst to propel you to do the next big thing. Mm -hmm. If it was perfect from the beginning, how would you ever pivot to do more? I mean, the sense of a reality check when you do something that doesn't work out is massive. Yes. (laughs) There's no bigger wake up call when you make a mistake in the very beginning and you and you think it's gold and you put it out there into the world and you're like, oh, wow, no one cares. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, it's very humbling. It's very incredibly, incredibly. We have to talk about the beauty products you love. So what are currently the like the top beauty products that you're obsessed with? So I have a handful. Lene has a face serum that I love. Ooh, do you know what the active ingredient is? Like, is it what oil base it is? I am not sure. Okay. I am not sure. I didn't write those things. I, I'm someone who has to write all what? those things down. It's totally okay. <laughs> I, it's because I've been talking about this a lot on the podcast. Yeah. I keep encouraging people to just look on the back or yeah. the bottle to learn because I think there's so much self-education that needs to be done. Absolutely. Oh, my skin likes apricot kernel oil. And then you can start to yeah. look for that in other products. Wow. So see yeah. what see yeah. what the oil base is. Yeah, that's okay. And I'll write it in the show notes as well. Yes, yes. Can, yeah. That's that's a, actually, that's a great point. I will. So I love this Lene face serum. I think it's amazing. Pi has a great retinol night serum that I love or rose rose retinol night serum. Interesting. Uh, night oil, I should say. That's amazing. PAI. Honestly, Supergoop has a SPF that is a matte. It feels like a matte primer. There, it the is unseen sunscreen. Unseen. Yes. Yes. I love that. I'm obsessed. <laughs> I think brands, I mean, not even I think, brands don't realize what it feels like as a person of color to, to have put sun- on sunscreen yeah. and not worry. Yeah. It's 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 really like it is game changing. So it in my bag right now. It is I wear it every day. Yeah. And surprisingly <laughs> my boyfriend was the person who introduced me to it, which like he has introduced me to absolutely zero beauty products cuz <laughs> well <laughs> It's so funny. We were just on vacation in Turkey and my my husband uses this. My dad was yes. using it. My dad was like, can I get some more of the, yes. the super goop? I was like, dad, OK, like, I need some for myself. Yeah. Yeah. And brands, you know, I when I was at Refinery, I did the uh, Beauty Innovator Awards yeah. that they do every year. Kat Quinn, who's their beauty director, asked me if I could be, you know, one of the people who were trying all these products. And one of my categories was sunscreen. Yes. And it was humiliating. <laughs> It was, I could not believe how many brands marketed themselves as being an unseen sunscreen. Oh, yeah, sheer. Sheer. Yeah. And there was this white. Casper the ghost. Yes. And it is, it's, it's embarrassing. It's yeah. humiliating. It makes you question or say to this brand, why don't you think I actually need this product? Right. Because if you did, then you would have tested this on other people of color and see that there is a white film <laughs> that's over this individual's yes. face. It is brands who say that. And when you put on that sunscreen, it shows that I'm, it's I'm so done with them. I'm like, so get the hell out yeah. of here. There, well, it's, and also it's interesting because there's a Shiseido, I think it's called Invisible Defense. And people said that that was a great one. I bought it. I spent a lot of money on it. I bought yeah. it like in a duty free white cast. Yes. 
Yeah. It's bullshit. Yeah. It's total so bullshit. Shout out to so sunscreen. It's like a super game changer. Goop, yeah, literally. Super goop number one fan. Yeah. Huge, huge. So that's a big one for me. Barbara Sturm for her darker skin stones line has a really great rich face cream. Mm-hmm. Um that Does I the price not bother you. Uh the price it yeah, the price does bother me. Do you buy it yourself or do you get it gifted? I if I'm honest, I do get it gifted. Okay, yeah. But and the only reason I ask is because a lot of women who come on the show talk about how much they love her products mm-hmm. and oftentimes they are gifted, gifted the product. Sure, sure. Which I think makes the price less of a barrier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You know, I actually I've known Barbara now for a couple of years. Um I had I met her before she really had the big product launch in the mm-hmm. States. I mean, this was five or six years ago. Yeah. Um, and I've been a loyal user of yes, her since. Okay. And it's not out of just because of the gifts, but I right. genuinely, no, you genuinely enjoy like her products. products. Yeah, Because yeah. when you work at Refinery, you get a lot of gifts. Oh my God. Let's be real. Like you get yeah. a lot of beauty gifts you see it all. and a lot of product. And there are not that many that I use for this long period of time. Yeah. So, yeah. And what's your approach to makeup? Because I think one thing, I feel like your gold jewelry game is always on point. Oh, like thank you've you. always got I like try. the earrings, the I nose try. ring, the like <laughs> layered necklaces. Like I feel like your your gold jewelry is very like signature. Yes, thank right? you. Like, do you ever even wear silver jewelry? I have one silver ring. Okay. That I okay. wear. That but like you're very like golden. Yes, thank you. Oh, love that. Thank so you. So do you try to do your makeup to like complement that or is it just kind of you know, you do the no makeup makeup thing. I'm a no makeup makeup person. Yeah. I think a lot of it is because when I had cystic acne in high school and in college, I used to wear so much makeup yeah. because I was so embarrassed and ashamed by it. I actually did a whole piece when I was at Refinery about how hard it is as a woman of color to be properly treated for acne. Mm. There are so many layers as to why women of color will struggle with acne for so much longer than white women. What What are the layers? Dermatologists are just simply not taught about our skin needs, mm. right? They're not taught about the fact that we are prone to hyperpigmentation. They don't, they're not, they don't understand our skin texture. So it takes oftentimes a lot of different dermatologists yes. to have, yeah. to get to that moment where you realize like, this is not going to mm-hmm. work for me. This is, yeah. I ended up seeing a doctor named Ar- Dr. Aaron Kill and mo- she's, she's uh, Chinese and most of her patients are actually black women and she changed my skin. Really? Um, yeah. I started seeing her and going to see Mamie McDonald, which is, she's an incredible facialist um, and she specializes in black skin as well. And they both really, that and my diet, you know, drastically changed my changed skin. everything, yeah. yeah. I, I, My dermatologist is actually a Black woman, um, Dr. Elena Jones. It's so interesting because I've been struggling with this weird kind of skin texture issue and she prescribed me a retinol. Mm. And it was like all of these expensive creams and serums and then just going to a doctor yeah, yeah. who could give me a prescription did more for my skin than all of the money I was spending elsewhere. Yeah. I think people are sometimes afraid to spend the money to see a dermatologist, right. but... I guarantee you it's a well, it's well worth the investment. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. If it's the right dermatologist. If it's the right dermatologist. Right. Yeah. Yes. Because ultimately, you know, I saw so many white male dermatologists that misdiagnosed my skin and had so yeah. many horrific, you know, rep, you know, recommendations. I was yeah. like, you have no idea what you're talking about. Or maybe you do for your demographic of people, but not for me. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. So sorry, we were talking about your yes. makeup. No makeup, makeup. No makeup, That's makeup. My style. Yeah. Do you do like a highlighter or like? Yeah. So I, I mean, I definitely I do my brows, eyelashes, cover effects. Your lashes are so long. Are those your natural lashes? Oh no, these are not my natural lashes. They're gorgeous. Thank you. Are these like in like what's the what's I, the secret behind these? They're eyelash extensions. Okay. 
You look like Bambi. It's oh, gorgeous. Thank you. I, you know, I, I like, I'm a recent convert to them. Yeah. Before I was like, no, but my, my mom and I both were blessed with having no eyelashes. I mean, oh, I, I have eyelashes, but they're like stubs. I don't have eyelashes. So but I found <laughs> I, I, I had to get off the eyelash extension addiction yeah, yeah. thing because it was just, you get used to seeing your eyes with yeah. them. But yours look beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. I feel like I'll go, I go through phases with beauty stuff like this. I'll probably do it for a couple of months yeah. and then I'm like, I'm not spending $200 like this anymore. Does your boyfriend have an opinion on your beauty looks? Like, does he say like, oh, I love when you wear this lipstick or I love when you wear your hair like this? Honestly, for him, like no makeup, hair out, natural, yeah. crazy wild. I know. Why that, do they love that? They, My husband's like, I love your hair like this. And I'm like, Please don't. I'm like, are you? Yeah, that's how I feel. I would say, are you going to do? Are you going to do my twist out? Right, right. Are you? Are you going to braid my hair down tonight? Because you love when I wear my hair out, but it's so much work. Right. No, I mean, but at the same time, it's. Um, I feel really lucky to be with somebody that genuinely loves my most natural beauty. Yeah, I have been with men who have not really that have told you wear your hair straight. Who just had. I don't know. Just who just have had very specific opinions mm. about my aesthetics, you know, and I I ended those relationships. <laughs> yes, good. For good sure. for you. Good for you. But my partner now, um, he's wonderful and he very much, you know, loves my my most natural self. So I That's feel really great. lucky to have him. Yeah. And what about beauty trends or products that you've tried that have been awful? Mm. I don't know how big of a trend this is. But I've seen it more and more frequently, and I just don't love it. It's like funky colored lipstick. Oh, really? Yeah, like green lipstick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blue lipstick. I've seen it. It's not for me. It's not for me either. Okay. <laughs> I just think it's... I, I mean, to each their own. Yes. And like, do I have mad respect for the women who are rocking it? Yes. Yes. 100%. Yeah. I think it takes a lot of guts to walk out of the house with yellow lipstick on. Oh um, yellow lipstick, that's scary. <laughs> that's like very hard to pull off. Yeah. It's just not for me. Yeah. It's really not for me. Do you do lipstick of any... Like, do you do a red or an orange Yes. Okay. I will do a red or a deep burgundy. Mm. I love like a dark burgundy lip which lipstick do you like go to what's your go-to i'm brand? a mac lipstick girl okay people love mac i lipstick. love mac lipstick yeah. i'm just i t- and nars nars is really great NARS, okay well. do you do lip liner or no lip liner um i do lip liner yeah i do uh usually just a sheer one though oh, who's your lip liner by who do I, who am I? Oh, I have a, I like the, there's one by um, Charlotte Tilbury that I really Yes, like. yes. I, I do the Charlotte Tilbury lip liners as well. Oh, yeah? Lip, lip cheat, it's yes, called. Yes, yes, yes. And I have so the good. berry and I have like a, Berg- I think they, I think those are the best lip liners. Same. And I didn't use lip liners until maybe this year. Yeah. I didn't know it was such an essential part of Same. lipstick application. And oh then I was gosh. like, but it was a game changer. Game changer. I know. I was like, no one told, it's like sometimes you learn these things and you're like, why did no one tell me? Yeah, yeah. Totally. That, like, not using lip liner was like what was holding me back. For sure. My, you know, I think for me personally, my mom wears red lipstick every single day. I it really is lo- her like love iconic. A signature look. Oh my gosh. Red lipstick and she wears black, these big black, black glasses and she has tons of different frames Amazing. every single day. And so growing up, I feel like my mom could put lipstick on in her sleep, right? Or yeah. like in pitch black. So yes. I never realized that there were steps to putting on lipstick because yes. I would just see her like literally, I feel like she could put it on with her freaking toes. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. she's a pro at just putting on a perfect red lip perfect lip yeah so growing up or you know when i started wearing makeup i never put two and two together and then you know my sister who is my my beauty goddess was the one who was like you need to start wearing lip liner (laughs) okay whatever you say sydney (laughs) any other beauty trends that you that are not for you baking Okay. Not for me. Yeah. Heavy, heavy contour and baking. I absolutely hate. I think it's on its way out, though. I hope so. I really do. And every time I've gotten my makeup done, 
I've had to be really adamant about not doing that aesthetic, you know, yes. like it just doesn't work for me. Yeah. I don't think I look this. I, it's just not for me. I don't love it. I really yeah. don't. And yeah. I think probably makeup artists because you're paying. I think a lot of people pay to get their makeup done. So they're like, I want it to look professional. Like I have makeup, makeup. Yeah. So like, yeah. do you give me all the tricks and tips so that I think they get in the habit of doing yeah. makeup heavy handed like sure. that. For sure. Like yeah, it's not for me. Yeah. But I'm really someone who, you know, and I think a lot of it actually stems from being a refinery and understanding all the time and effort that goes into being a beauty editor and how much they oh try and test and so much respect, so much respect. It's not what people think. I think people think that these women just wake up every single day and they're like, this is cool. No, they're actually trying oh, these products yeah. out and they're putting on the layers of makeup and trying and testing. And it's changed my whole perception on it. So for those who bake and contour, mad respect, because that takes a lot of time. <laughs> it, does, it does. I always, though, think about the ethical implications of being a beauty editor when mm. the brands advertise with your publication. Yeah, for right? sure. And part of me kind of creating this podcast in this space to talk openly about beauty was to have it be removed from yeah capitalism <laughs> yeah know, a commercial sure. push right just to yeah. talk about honestly what's worked yeah but they spend so much time with products that if they say something is good it is good yeah nine agree. times out of ten yeah of totally a hundred percent and i think a lot of it you know for refinery specifically doing the beauty innovator awards i mean really you do get I mean, gosh, it's like hundreds of products that you have to try and test and write. I mean, it's not just like you're being paid to write about something. You're actually spending months trying and testing. Were there any like drugstore brand? Like, you know, I feel like people don't get excited about a Maybelline mascara Mm -hmm. because it's not sexy. But were there any kind of tried and true products that came out from doing that test that you felt like more people should be excited about? Um, there's a product that I still swear by, and this was even before the test, and it's the CoverGirl lash that's in the orange tube. Oh, I forget what it's oh called. yes, yes, yes. Okay. I forget what it's called, but I'll I've been wearing that for notes. years, and I have really not found another mascara. I think Dior has a, a one called Big Show that I that is really solid, but outside of that, I swear by that orange tube. I can't believe I'm blanking on its name. Well, um, when you buy something for so long, you like forget what it's yeah, called. You yeah. Just like go straight to like just orange Just go straight tube. to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've had such an, I've mixed, I mean, drugstore beauty now is a very different experience than it was mm-hmm. even a year ago or True. two years ago, right? You have so many more natural products and, you know, conscious products. I am someone who the older I've gotten have been more conscious of cruelty free. I can't yes. believe we still have animal testing labs. Like that blows my mind. I know. And I find that a lot of these drugstore brands still test on really? animals yeah there are a couple that don't like CoverGirl doesn't but there are a lot that still do do you know the brands that still do because i think that w- one of the things that's hard for me to discern is mm-hmm. like what are the actual brands that i just need to like stay away La from Mer tests on animals okay which has like, been a canceled. really big one for me <laughs> I, so i don't use lamer products so that's yeah. like easy for me to, right that for me i was really wow. um bummed to hear about oh one that really shocked me what was it oh my gosh benefit Benefit shocked really? me. Yeah, I couldn't believe that. Yeah. Anything now I'm trying to think if I have any benefit. Because I love yeah. benefit. And yeah. then I read that they weren't cruelty free. Yeah. And, you know, I, I am going to preface it and say, I don't know how actively these brands are testing on animals mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. I ha- I'm not someone who's spent like hours digging into this. Yeah. But I do believe if they have not been certified cruelty free and they haven't been speaking about being cruelty free. And if you can Google it and it says they still test, I think that's probably yeah. pretty accurate. Yeah. But I, you know... I think that a lot of these big drugstore brands as well, it's getting better. But, 
you know, my introduction to beauty was through the drugstore, right? Through buying products in the drugstore. Yeah, of course. I wasn't, we all, is, that's how we all started. Yeah. yeah, right? Like it wasn't going to Sephora. It was actually just going to the local pharmacy and buying products. Yeah. And so much of my experience in buying product as a teenager was so stressful because I felt that so many of these drugstore brands were not respectful nor understood my skin needs. Right. Right. There wasn't this idea that there was a shade for everyone. There wasn't undertones weren't in consideration. So here we were, my sister and I, you know, we grew up in a, um, we went to a school that was predominantly white and it was really unsettling and emotionally challenging to feel so othered even yes, when yes. buying products. Well, I've had, I've, well, I went to Spence and I've had a lot of Spence oh, yeah, girls on the right. show yeah, yeah. and we've, we've talked a lot about what that experience has been like. Yeah. It does change your sense of self. And I think that, and it sounds like your, your mom and your father gave you a very strong foundation and kind of taught you at home that black is beautiful so that you didn't have to deal with all of the BS at school. But if you don't have that at home, I think it's really challenging. Oh, absolutely. My parents did a really great job, you know, on frankly, outside of friends I had from school, I wasn't really around that many white people. Mm -hmm. You know, most of my parents' friends are black. The friends I grew up with are black. So we were really encouraged at a young age to be so proud to be black. Yes, yeah. And, you know, I think it's very natural when you grow up and going to a predominantly white school to think those are beauty ideals, despite what your family is telling you, despite mm-hmm. what your community, it's, you spend a lot of time, a lot of time. in school. Yeah. Right. So you see these, yeah. you see girls that don't look like you in school throughout your whole life. You start to question, what am I supposed to look like? Yes. And then it's when I got to college that I really just like came into my blackness in a very, you know, in the way that I'm incredibly proud of now. Yeah. But it took me going to Brown and getting out of this like small New York City private school environment oh, where I was like, yeah. oh, my gosh. Same. Like yeah. even I-, I applied to Penn, but like looking back, I'm so glad I didn't. Like I just needed to get far, far away yeah, yeah. from from all of it. Like <laughs> totally. West Coast. Yeah. Oh, where did you go to college again? Stanford. Oh, that's right. And then right. after Stanford, I went to London to go work because I was like, again, like, got to get out. Take me further away. Out. Yeah, <laughs> but now I live in New York City and I love it. And it's great. Yeah. And, and but yeah, I think if you grow up here, you have to yeah. change it up. Totally, totally. And also, there's like there's such a beauty. You know, my sister and I were talking about this recently, and I've had friends who are people of color who lived in white suburban neighborhoods and went to white suburban schools, and their journey to accepting their own race and their identity has been ten times harder than mine. Right? Because mm. once I left the four walls of my school, New York is very black, right? Yeah, true. You get on the subway, true, you true. walk around. True. You're not, you know, there are other people who look yeah, like you. Yeah, But I deeply empathize with people who grow up in environments. And there's nothing And anywhere. there's nothing. Yeah. 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 That to me, I'm like, wow, that's, that's tough. Yeah. It's not easy. Yeah. Final question. Yeah. When do you feel most beautiful? When do I feel most beautiful? Hmm. That's a great question. You know, it really depends. I would say there's times I feel most beautiful after I work out. Yes. And I'm just like super sweaty, but I'm glistening. And yes. I'm, I just did you that. You just did it. Yeah. You know? Mood, yeah. Yeah. Like there's times I feel amazingly gorgeous after a workout. Yeah. Um, I would say I feel really beautiful around my friends and my family. 
you know, I feel blessed to have a great community of people in my life who are so supportive and have made me feel beautiful on the inside and outside. I feel beautiful when I'm with my partner. He is wonderful. He has um, really encouraged me to love myself and has loved me so unconditionally. Mm -hmm. So with that, I feel very beautiful around him. Beautiful. I, you know, I feel... You know, I think I guess it also depends on how you define what beautiful is, Yes. right? Sometimes I feel beautiful and my hair is a hot mess <laughs> and I have eye crust because I just woke up. Yeah. But internally, I feel amazing. Yes. And there's times if I don't feel good, if I'm stressed and I have to go out to an event and my makeup's looking great, I don't feel great. I don't mm. feel beautiful, right? Yeah. Like it's not just for me. My beauty isn't connected actually to what I look like. And as corny and cliche as that may sound, it's very real for me. That's, you know, I'm an inner... If I don't feel good on the inside, the outside, it doesn't matter what it looks like. Yes. So that's a big one for me. That's great. And that's a beautiful sentiment. Well, thank, thank you. you so much no, thank you. for coming this was on the so show. Fun. So great to get to know you better. Likewise, and likewise. You're all of the background behind your amazing journey. Thank so you. thank great. you so much. Thank you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 